Good morning. Uh, today's scripture reading is from Exodus 4, 17. You can follow along in your Bibles or in your bulletin or on your phone. Then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground, and the water that you take from the Nile will become blood on the dried ground. But Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf? or seeing, or blind. Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, oh my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, is there not Aaron, your brother the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him, and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people and he shall be your mouth and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning again. So excited about the chance to uh, talk through this passage of scripture together. In a lot of ways, the book of Exodus is like a road map for your life, for your following Jesus, for your spiritual growth. You can think of it as a, a soundtrack for you, your life as you go through all the things that you go through, and it will be no less true about this passage that we're going to look at this morning. You know, I love to go to the beach and when you go to the beach in Florida and you go over to the Atlantic side, whether it's New Smyrna Beach or Cocoa or Daytona or wherever, on the Atlantic side, when, when, when the water is churning, when there are offshore storms, when there are certain conditions, you can be standing out there or you can be floating out there and you will experience what's known as an undercurrent or a riptide and you'll turn around and you'll look, you're way north from where you were, or certain riptides, certain undercurrents will sweep you out to sea. So you may want to be, stay in a certain spot, 
But underneath, there are these, these rip currents that are there that are, that are pulling you out. A lot of times in our Christian life, there are times in your life when God wants you to do something hard and you find that it's difficult to do, it's difficult to obey God. There are times when God wants you to obey him, but there's a part of you that does not want to obey God, that doesn't want to go with that. It's like there's this undercurrent, there's this riptide. There are times in your life where there are steps that God wants you to take. There are ways that he wants you to serve him. There are trials that he wants you to endure, and, but there's something in your life that is like a rip current that is pulling you away from where you need to be. Now, Moses in this passage is experiencing a riptide that is pulling him away from what God wants him to do. Two weeks ago, you might recall that Jim Cunningham preached on Exodus chapter three at the beginning. It was called the call of Moses. Then last week, we talked about Moses' first two objections to God. Who am, who am I to do this, and who do I say that you are? And you'll recall that last week, we learned from those questions. We learned from Moses' honesty. We learned that God is above us, God is with us, and God is for us. And we focused last week on the nature of of God, And we need to have that, the fact that God is I am, he is Yahweh, we need to have that fixed in our minds and in our hearts, and that's going to help us when we encounter that undercurrent, that undertow that wants to keep us from doing what God wants us to do. So we get to this passage, and you might consider this the third in a three-part series on the call of Moses, And what happens here is we find that Moses has three more objections to what God wants him to do. God wants him to get off the sidelines and into the fray. God wants Moses to, be, to, be, to respond to an assignment to an what seems like an impossible mission. But Moses has three more objections. And what those objections reveal is that Moses himself in this passage is just like us. The Bible does not, uh, the Bible talks about the flaws of its heroes and Moses is just like us because Moses is experiencing that, that undertow that is pulling him away from God. And so his questions reveal three things that are part of that undertow and I wanna talk about those today because if you're anything like me, if you're a normal person trying to follow God, you are experiencing these three things as well. Here they are, fear, inadequacy, and reluctance. All of us in our, in our efforts to follow God are experiencing in our lives the fact that it's hard to do, it's hard to follow God, and sometimes it's because of fear, sometimes it's because of a feeling of inadequacy, and other times it's because of reluctance. So all 17 of these verses in this part of Moses' life can be summed up in those three words that are part of that undertow. So let's talk first of all about Moses' fear. I want you to notice 
what God does, the undertow that Moses experiences, experiences and then how God answers his question and answers his objection. Look at the fear in his voice in Exodus chapter four, verse one, as you look back in that passage. It says, then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say the Lord did not appear to you. Now, God has already promised Moses that the people would listen to him, but now Moses is saying they will not listen to me, and there is a gap between what God says is gonna happen and what Moses expects to happen. In the New International Version, Moses is saying, what if they don't listen to me? And a lot of times for you and me, it is those what if questions, what might happen if, what if, that is something that holds us back from following God and it reveals our fear. So what God wants to do is God wants to answer his objection. What I love about this passage is we learn something about God, and that is that although, although Moses has this undertow of fear, God does not come back to Moses and say, forget it, I'm gonna call somebody else, but he works with Moses. And God does not say to his fears, just tough it out, but he works with Moses. And let's see what he does very simply. Did you notice in this passage that God gives three signs to Moses? First, the sign of a staff that turns into a snake and then back to a staff again. It becomes the staff of God. The second is he puts his hand in his tunic. It comes out leprous. Then he puts it in again and it's healed. And then the third sign is the waters of the Nile will turn to blood. Now notice here that the way that God is, re is responding to Moses' fears is he's giving him these three signs. So let's talk briefly about these three signs and what they might mean to us and what, first of all, what they meant to Moses. The first thing is this ordinary staff. God says to Moses about an ordinary staff, what is that in your hand? And Moses says, it's a staff, it's a rod. So throw it, God says, throw it on the ground, and it turns into a serpent. Now, what would be the significance of the serpent in Egypt? Well, one of the things about serpents is they were symbols of evil and darkness that you were up against in Egypt. And so the pharaohs would have a metal serpent engraved on their headdress. They would have a serpent there. So the serpent was a symbol of the dark forces and the dark power of Egypt. And what God wants to say to Moses is that staff turns into a serpent and then it turns back into a rod. Moses need not fear the authority of Pharaoh because God is above Pharaoh. So that's what's happening with the staff, first of all. What's great about this, uh, what's interesting about this staff is there's a, the fact that it was an ordinary staff and there's some real encouragement for you and me in this passage in the way that God uses ordinary people. Several decades ago, there was a writer by the name of Francis Schaeffer, and he gave a sermon called No Little People, No Little Places. And he talked about the staff, because a lot of us in this room are just ordinary, regular people. We're not, we're not stars, we're not great, we're not amazing. We are just ordinary people and we wonder 
if God's power can work through us. And I want you to listen to what Francis Schaeffer said about the ordinary staff. By the way, this quote is in your bulletin. If you'd like to read it and follow along, go back to the inside front cover of your bulletin. Francis Schaeffer says this, consider the mighty ways in which God used a stick of wood. Though we are limited and weak in talent, physical energy, and psychological strength, we are not less than a stick of wood. But as the rod of Moses had to become the rod of God, so that which is me must become the me of God. The scripture emphasizes that much can come from little if the little is truly consecrated to God. No little people, no little places. You guys, that is so liberating. That is so freeing. It so relieves our fears. There's a second sign, though. Did you notice the second one in this passage? It's a sign that is, he sticks his hand in his tunic at God's instruction, and his hand becomes leprous. Then he, then, and then God heals that hand. What is, what's, what's going on with that? Well, on the one hand, you had this sort of, these skin diseases that were there in Egypt, and God is displaying his authority over those skin diseases that were there. But if you look at the larger arc of scripture, you think back to the story when Jesus healed a leper by touching him. And you see that oftentimes leprosy is a, is a symbol of the sin of the human heart and how Jesus came to heal and to forgive and to cleanse that sin. Alec Motier in his commentary on this passage talks about what's happening with Moses as he sticks his hand he is touching something that's not external to himself, like all the challenges around him of Egypt, but he's getting in touch with a contagion that is in his own heart and his own life. And though Moses is intimidated by everything around him, it's almost as if God is taking him lower to expose to him the reality of the contagion of his heart, and it's there that God brings renewal and restoration to Moses, and that is the good news of the gospel. If any of us in this room, any of us in this room, put our hands inside our heart, we would feel there a contagion. The Bible teaches that we are more sinful than we've ever imagined, and so one of the things that happens in the Christian life is that you go through a lot of failure. You say things you should not have said. You do things you ought not to have done. You. You, you, you disappoint people, you feel like you disappoint God, and there are all sorts of ways that we sin. And I love it, each Sunday we have a time of confession in church, because what's happening in that time of confession, it is like we are getting in touch honestly with the fact that a lot of the issues in our life are due to our own contagion, and then we have that gospel assurance, we have that word, that assurance, that God forgives and God cleanses and makes us clean. And so one of the fears that a lot of us have in our life that holds us back is we feel like I'm ashamed, I'm not worthy, I am not good enough. And God is saying, no, I have renewed you through the gospel. Do not rest in your own righteousness. Do not rest in your own power to heal that contagion of leprosy within, but rest in what Christ has done to die for your sins and to cleanse you of that contagion. And there's a freedom that we have in that. 
The song, Oh for a Thousand Tongues, says, Jesus, the name that charms our fears, that bids our sorrows cease. Tis music to the sinner's ears, tis life and health and peace. And I would say to anybody in this room who feels burdened by your past mistakes, by your failures, your shame, your unworthy, realize that your hope for the healing of that contagion is in the good news of the gospel. There was a third thing, though, that was happening in this passage that could have given fear to Moses, and it was the Nile River. The Nile was like a god in Egypt. It was the source of life. It, it, it fertilized all of their farmland. The entire economy and livelihood of Egypt depended on the Nile. And God is saying, take some of that water, and then God turns the water into blood, and God's gonna do that in the eyes of Pharaoh. He's gonna demonstrate that God has authority over the most powerful forces of Egypt, and Moses needs to learn that because he is being prepared by God, and he needs to overcome his fears, and so God gives him this sign. I think that's a beautiful thing for you and me because as I look around at the Christian church, both here in Orlando and around our country and around the world, it is so easy for Christians to fear the future, to fear the things that are beyond their control. We've been, we've been shocked by a year of COVID. We've been shocked by all the things that can happen in our world and country. We could be fearful about forces, whether they be secular forces or otherwise, that might overwhelm the church or overwhelm our lives or overwhelm our children. And we have fears about the future that are very, very real fears because of the lifeblood of the Nile in our world and in our country. But God has authority over that. First John 4, 4 says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, there's something interesting that God then does with Moses. Remember I said that God doesn't say, I'm going to get somebody else. God doesn't say, just gut it out. But he works with Moses' fears. Did you notice that God said to Moses that he dropped the staff on the ground and it turned into a snake? And then what did he tell Moses to do? He said, catch the back of that snake by your hand. And the Bible uses a different word for catch for Moses. And he reached down and it's like he fearfully grabbed it. He didn't grab it with authority, but he needed to grab that snake. So what is God doing in Moses' life? God is developing his faith. God is developing his courage. So what I want to say to all of you who feel held back by the fears in your life, it's not a matter of God's done with you. It's also not a matter of just suck it up and do it but allow God to develop you and take some steps. Take some steps to step outside your comfort zone and take some risk and watch God work. I remember the first time that Molly and I ever went on a mission trip. It was in the summer of 1982 and it was to Japan and then on to China. And we spent six weeks in Tokyo and we brought a bunch of students and we were doing all this work in Tokyo as part of a mission trip. Now remember this was our first mission trip. So think about the steps of faith that were involved for us. One of the things we had to do is all the students that we took 
had to raise their financial support. That alone was a step of faith where they got to see God come through. It is like they had to grab that snake by the tail, however fearfully, take that step of faith and watch God turn that snake into a rod, into the rod of God. Then we go over there. I, I had a, a leadership role. I had to have hard conversations with people. We had to initiate things. We had to do some cross-cultural work. There were all sorts of steps that we had to take. And what I want to say to you guys in regard to fear, that over the course of your Christian life, just like Moses, your faith is like a muscle and it grows with exercise. So my challenge to you, my exhortation to you this morning is don't just sit back and let your faith muscles atrophy. Do not just coast in the Christian life, but when you encounter those fears, think about how God wants to develop your faith, take some risks, and grab that snake by the tail, and you will God, watch God work in powerful ways. So fear, fear is that first undertow, that undercurrent that was there. But then Moses had a second objection, and it revealed something else about Moses. Notice the, the next objection. The next objection in chapter 4, verse 10, look at what Moses said. It says, but Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. What is, what's he expressing here? What's the undertow? What's, the, what's, what's he feeling? He is feeling inadequacy. Moses is feeling inadequate. He says, I'm not a good speaker. I'm not good at this. What do I do? Well, what does God say to him? Look at verse 11. Look at God's response. Then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? This is the Lord that we met last week. He is over us. He is with us, and he is for us. Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? It's an interesting verse there. Phil Riken points out in his commentary that, what, that God is Lord not only of our abilities, but our disabilities, our weaknesses, whether it be actual disabilities or just our internal weaknesses. God is Lord of those, and he, he, he has power over them. And he says, is it not I, the Lord? Literally at the end of verse 11 there, it says, is it not I am the Lord. Notice the word Lord is all caps. It's talking about Yahweh. We talked about the name of God last week. What a powerful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. We just sang about that. God says, isn't it I, Yahweh, who is Lord? And then he, uh, he goes on and talks about uh, the power that he has over that. You know, what God is doing here is, once again, when, when Moses shares his inadequacy, it is a good thing because he is being honest about that, and he's going to learn something about God. God does not say, you're inadequate, I'm not going to call you, but he works with him. And the first thing he says is, I am is with you. You can take that step of faith, but he also develops us. But he wants us to transfer our faith from ourselves to him. That is a big step of faith. I want to give you an example. I heard of a, of a missionary by the name of Myron Klaus. 
He worked with poor orphans in Nicaragua. And one of the things that they did with those or orphans is they would teach them to speak, to get up and speak. All of us know that speaking is just one of the most fearful things that you can do in life. And they would teach these young orphans to speak. And there was one orphan who over time, they would enter him in these speaking contests and all that. And one day this one orphan had the opportunity to speak before the president of Nicaragua. Think about how far he came as an orphan and how he was developed as a speaker. Brian Chappell tells this story and says this about this orphan. He says, meeting with the president, the president of Nicaragua, caused some anxious thoughts, yet the child not only used his skills boldly, but also to tell of his affection for his president and his savior. A little orphan became someone who could speak before kings. And that's what, what's going to happen to Moses. Moses is going to learn that he can speak before Pharaoh, but he is so nervous about doing that. Write this down. The Christian life is about expanding our comfort zone. The Christian life is about expanding our comfort zone. Last week, you had the opportunity to hear from Heather Shiflett. She talked about uh, just all the things that God is doing in Splash and, and bringing us up to date. And uh, our staff team was discussing this passage, and Heather made the comment that this was the verse that God used her to call her to be the director of Splash. Because she was very candid with Molly and me when she talked about it. She said, I just feel inadequate for a lot of the things that I will have to do. And Heather went back to this passage of scripture and this is the promise that God gave her. This is what God used in her life. And her step of faith, her trusting the I am, her trusting God has been life-changing for our church, for families, and for our students. You see, the Christian life is about expanding our comfort zone, and as we do, our muscles grow, and God wants to develop us. So think about your life. Think about the steps that God may call you to take. It might start with something simple, but he's the one that made your mouth, he made your hands, he made your life, he wants you to give it to him. I remember the first time that I, when I became an elder, I was 33 years old, I was involved in a church just like you guys, and I was nominated, and I was voted on, and I was a call, I was called. But here's what, what was going on in my heart, is that I did not know what I did not know about being an elder, and all that went into that. But I'm so glad I got into an environment where I was developed and where I could learn from older people and that step of faith was, was worth it. I didn't realize all the things that I needed to know. But the message of that for me, and this, has been, this is the message for all of us, is that, is that God wants to develop us. He wants to develop our faith. He wants to develop our skills. That's what he's doing in the life of Moses. That's what he done, does in our lives. Part of what um, another step in my life is back in 19, 1992, I was serving in a missions organization and was asked to take a higher level leadership organizational role. Once again, I did not know what I did not know. And I remember going through so many times that I failed and I, f I fell on my face. But I got into a developmental environment where I learned 
new skills. It was like learning a new sport, and I was learning a new sport of organizational leadership and growing. And along the way, the hope, the hope is relying upon God to continue to grow us and to continue to develop us. So again, my challenge to you as you think about your life and wherever God calls you to go is to remember that God has a plan for you to grow and for you to develop and to step into leadership. I was talking to uh, Lydia Souter this morning. Lydia was the one that was leading our music. And I just love all the people that have like stepped up in the whole musical arena to work alongside Mark. And Lydia works, she leads music for our youth group, which is, which is wonderful. She was raised in a great church and got a lot of experiences there. And I remember asking, I talked to Lydia this morning, I said, Lydia, do you ever still get nervous when you do this? Because I know that she has a lot of experience and she, she talked a little bit about that. And, and then I told her, I said, you know what? I still, I still get nervous preaching, I still do. I still have to rest on these promises from God. But part of what's going on in our lives and in our church is the development of the spiritual gifts of people so that they can be a part of God's mission and be a part of what he's doing in our church and in the world. And so if you look all around you, look, look all around you in this church, do not think that everything that's going on is just because we wanna get stuff done. No, it is discipleship, it is spiritual growth. We want people to exercise their faith. We want people to be developed because over time that makes such a difference in the kingdom of God and in the church. And it, isn't it amazing that God uses ordinary staff, no little people, no little places, to develop them and to use them? That is such an exciting vision for the Christian life. Well, let's go on to the third thing. So God is answering Moses' objections here. First it was fear, then it was inadequacy, and then finally, the, the, it's actually the third for today, but the fifth overall, the final objection of Moses is, is just abject reluctance. I don't want to do it. Do you feel the downward pull of that rip current in Moses' heart? God's dealt with his fear. God has dealt with his inadequacy. And now there's this, this part of Moses where he's just, he's just, come, he just, he just saying, finally, just send someone else, God. I don't want to do it. I want to say no to you. I want to say no. Just send somebody else. Did you notice what he said in this passage? He says, verse 13, but he said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Did you notice the word for Lord there is not capitalized? He's using a different word for Lord, Lord Adonai. He's not using Yahweh. He's not using the covenant name. Now, both those names are good. Both of those names are great. But God has just said, I am is with you. And Moses is saying, no, God, would you just please send someone else to do it? And this is abject rebellion against God, he's stiffing God, he doesn't want to do it, his heart is coming out in this situation. And notice the response of God in verse 14. It says, then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Now, how comfortable are you with that verse? How comfortable are you with the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Did you know that God has emotion? God has emotion. The anger of the Lord 
was kindled against Moses. But you know what? The anger of the Lord is not a capricious anger. It is not a destructive anger, but it is a legitimate emotion. But God does something that you and I have a really hard time doing. He was able to feel the, the anger towards Moses' stiff arm, but God stayed for him and God stayed with him. Remember, the covenant God I am, he is above you, he is with you, and he is for you. The fact that God was for him didn't change, and that is true of you in Christ. And in the gospel, God is for you, he doesn't change. And so God holds those things together, and then mercy triumphs over judgment. That's another thing that we learn here is God already knew that Moses was going to say no to him. God already knew about the undercurrent and the riptide that was in his heart. God knew that, and he still did not fire him. He still did not say, Moses, I am so done with you right now. No, he kept him involved. And then look what he said. He gave him this great promise. He says, um, the anger of the Lord is kindled. And then it says, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well because he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Moses, this is good news. I'm sending Aaron. I've already planned for this. My providence has already planned for this. I'm bringing support your way. I'm bringing a team your way. I'm bringing other people, and God brings Aaron along, and he says, you shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I'll be with your mouth. I'll be with his mouth. He will teach you both what to do. And God says, I've just, got that, I've just got that covered. I've got this for you, Moses. You're still gonna do it. I'm not gonna let you go. And God is, God is for him. Now, what's, what's the New Testament version of that? Well, you and I, none of us have all the spiritual gifts, but God has placed us in the body of Christ to have all sorts of people around us who can, who can do the music and who can lead splash and lead youth group and who can be deacons and who can be elders and can, uh, other ways who can, people with the, the gift of giving, all kinds of spiritual gifts. That's the way God designed for his church to work, for the body of Christ to work, and we see a glimmer of that in the life of Moses. So here's a question for you guys. As you think about your life, what's going on with Moses here is that there's something he didn't want. There's something going on that is not of his making. We are stuck in Egypt. God wants to deliver the people out of Egypt. And God wants to use poor, weak Moses who can't speak to do this. Moses has this undertow. Moses doesn't want to do it. And a lot of you in your life right now are in situations that are not of your making. You wish it were different. It were, if it were different in your family or COVID were different or something about church were different or your job, your job, you just wish it were different and you've got that undertow in your heart and you want things to be a different way. You have an ideal in your mind and there's a gap between what you're experiencing and what your ideal is and I wanna tell you that that gap is there because that is where you grow. That is where you become like Jesus. That is where you discover God's power. That is where you discover the errands in your life. That gap is there for a reason Use it, recognize what God is doing when that undertow is there. When our son Jonathan was in uh, middle school, he joined the football team, American football. And uh, he and I had been playing catch. He's a middle school guy. 
But, but we, were, we, would, we would get out in our cul-de-sac, this is up in Virginia, and he would go out for passes, and I would take that football, and I would lob a pass to him, and it, he would run for it, and it would just land perfectly. And back, at, back in those days, the big quarterback was Joe Montana. The big re wide receiver was Jerry Rice. So these were the, 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 play, the NFL players of old. But I was Joe Montana, and Jonathan was going to be Jerry Rice. And we would just do this over and over again. And then Jonathan joined the team, and then the coach makes all these decisions. And Jonathan did not get to be the wide receiver for his middle school football team. You know what he got to do? He got to be the guy that stood at, half, and it's actually a pretty cool job, but the Lord placed him, not the Lord, I'm getting ahead of myself, the captain of the team placed him to be the guy that would hold up his hand at the kickoff time and then drop it, and then they would kick off the ball, and then he would jump into the fray. That was the job that was given to him, and he had this, again, there was this gap between the way things he had hoped they would be and the way things really were. You guys, American consumers struggle with that gap because we want everything to be just the way we want it, but that's where the growth is. And I remember Jonathan and I debriefed on that situation. And I said these words to Jonathan. I said, Jonathan, where you play is up to the coach. How you play is up to you. And it's almost as if Moses in this passage is God is talking with him and he's objecting to what God wants him to do and Moses is having to learn, you know what, where you play is up to the coach but how you play is up to you. But God graciously, doesn't he graciously deal with those rip currents in our heart and develop us and grow us? Some of you might even be thinking today, well, you know, Moses got these signs do we, get, do we get any signs? I want a sign. Do we get any signs? I mean, he had the staff and serpent, had the leprosy, had the Nile River turning to blood. Do we get a sign? You guys, we get the best signs in the world. The Gospel of John, chapter 20, 30 and 31, says this about the greater Moses, about Jesus himself. It says, many other signs he did the whole book of John is the book of signs. It's stuff that Jesus did, signs for the world. God has given us signs in Jesus, and it says, these signs were performed. These are recorded so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to the Pharisees, a wicked and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but here's the sign I'm gonna give you. It's the sign of Jonah, three days and three nights in the heart of the whale. And Jesus' resurrection becomes the sign for all of humanity. We've been given a sign. And now, now as followers of Christ, God still gives us signs. You know what they are? They are baptism and the Lord's Supper. We say that those things are signs and seals of the gospel in our hearts because they point to the great I am. They point to the gospel. They point to the good news. That is why these signs are so important. So in your journey, in your exodus, and in your life, God gives you the Lord's Supper to nourish your faith. Just as much as Moses had that staff, you have the Lord's Supper as a sign that he has given to you. And so we're going to celebrate that meal that he's given to us, that sign that points to the good news of the gospel. Would you pray with me?
Lord, what uh, great assurances that you give us in your word. Lord, we all feel the undertow, but we thank you that you have given us wonderful signs in your word and the life of Jesus, the resurrection, and now today in the Lord's Supper. So now at these, in these moments, we set aside these ordinary things like that staff and we recognize that the bread and the grape juice rep represent the body and the blood of Christ, a sign for us and a seal of the gospel, helping us remember and look back, helping us feed upon Christ, helping us, helping us have hope for the future. We thank you and we pray in Jesus' name.